0: Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Now, we're talking business. Let's talk business.
1: Yeah, let's talk business. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh?
0: I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. It's too serene, Will. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. We have a new category this year. Best film ever made by a human being. Issues of God. Oscar Martin. Who are you working for? The Knutzes Who, who the f-
1: are the Knutzes? These are big movies Think about big men in tights Roll that motherfucking camera, Wolfie Kiss my ass Yeah! We like movies This is business
0: and this man has taken it very, very personal.
1: Hello Everybody, this is oscar Dahl. i'm here with matthew knutson and this is we like movies oscars edition 2020 and if you hear squealing or barking in the background it's because i am puppy sitting right now and so forgive any interruption because the puppy is extremely adorable matt how you doing
0: i'm well i'm well it's uh it's very good to hear your voice do you feel a kinship to this particular awards because your namesake's like when people talk about Oscars this time of year do you do you, does your heart palpitate like do you get excited do you take ownership of it or is it annoying because you think people are talking about you and they're actually talking about these dumb awards for 3 months
1: i would i would say door number 3 i'm just okay. sort of annoyed because people make the same like jokes over and over again i mean they'll either say it like the oscars or the they'll, although Conversation just randomly bring up the Oscars and they'll go and they'll turn to me and just sort of give me an oh yeah <laughs> same name huh <laughs> which is pretty uh pretty stupid but uh, kind
0: of like the Michael the, the Michael Bolton in uh, office space situation <laughs> like oh you must celebrate his entire catalog huh
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> um, but I'm immune to it at this point. it is my burden to bear and I am, I'm good to go. Uh, yeah I mean it's exciting times as always. We're big Oscar heads even though you know we must say we understand the, the silliness of this whole endeavor. We embrace it. And we like the whole, uh, you know, the pomp and circumstance of the damn thing, Matt. you excited this year?
0: I love pomp. I especially love circumstance. Even when I start to get really kind of down on this whole endeavor and I embroiled in all the controversy and all the idiocy of it all. And you start to realize just how silly it all is and how rarely the best film of the year ever actually goes away with the statue, Um, I still can't help but get swept up in it. I mean, I I was thinking last night when I was walking home, I realized I can't remember a time when the Oscars weren't a part of my life. Like, there wasn't a time when I just all of a sudden started watching it or got really into it or... Like, you know, oh, hey, I'm 12 years old and I'm a cinephile. I'm going to start watching the Oscars now. No, the Oscars have always been a part of my life, which I guess means it was an important part of my parents' life. Um, Or maybe it just means that in the 80s, there was just so much less, you know, to watch that just everybody just always watched the Oscars because everybody was watching all the same things, right? You all watch the M.A.S.H. finale, you all watch Cheers finale, and you all watch the Oscars every year, whether you care about movies or not, just because it's something to watch.
1: Yeah, I I think that was the case. I think uh, sort of an underrated part of it was you had entertainment uh, tonight, and then you had, like, award shows like the Oscars to see your stars up close and in person. You didn't have that opportunity really back in the day. Yeah, and it was a big thing. Also, your point of not being any other things to watch I think is important.
0: And now the the ratings basically just go down pretty much every single year because there's just so much more out there, and people just care that much less, and... The, I mean, I, I guess I just end up in a little bit of a um, in a little bit of sort of a, a, a vacuum of my own creation because just all the podcasts I listen to and all the things I'm reading about are Oscar related and movie related. But in reality, the vast majority of people don't really care about this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there is a certain subset of people that get swept up in just the the whole game of it. It's probably hard to find people who actually put sort of uh, I don't know artistic stock in what's going on here, right? I think we've all become pretty cynical as to, uh, you know, it's not exactly honoring the very best movies. It's, uh, I think we all know, you know, how the sausage is made at this point, right? But that said, I still think people are rooting for what they're rooting for. And there's certainly a wide range of opinions on the movies uh, that are, uh, you know, nominated this year. Especially, I mean, you look at something like Joker, and that is an extremely divisive crowd. A lot of people hate it, like me. A lot of people love it, like you. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people in between. A lot of people love little women. A lot of people are big on Parasite. People like to go into these with rooting interest. And I'm sure there's a huge population of people who, you know, we're in our bubble where we just live and breathe and eat this stuff, you know, on a daily basis that... Don't know what the betting odds are and don't know what's expected and don't know what the politics have been and haven't paid attention to the DGAs and the SAG awards and whatnot. So, I do think people go into Oscar parties not knowing what's going to happen, which is, you know, exciting for them. But uh, we also have our own Fantasy Film League. It's kind of anticlimactic this year because our friend (laughs) Scott Henderson has sort of, yeah, wrapped it all up.
0: And my favorite part of this yearly circus is that it does. Get people talking about movies, if only for a week out of the year. It's kind of like all the fair weather fans who decide they want to get excited about football for a week because they want to watch the Super Bowl. Right? That th- that sort of fa- fair weather f- fandom never bothers me because at least it gets people talking and excited for a few days a year.
1: And this is a great point. Thank you for bringing it up okay. because without the Oscars, without any of this, so many people wouldn't have seen Parasite. Yeah, and pretty much everyone I know at this point has gone out sought out parasite just because they felt like given the awards love and given the you know all, all the hype that they had to see it which is a great result no matter how silly we all agree the academy is right yes that that, that is that is probably the most important result of the oscars that, yeah a gets people talking and b gets people seeing movies that they otherwise would not have seen
0: and it just goes to show you how just stubbornly subjective art appreciation is has always been and will always be that just people find what they're into and then they just wrap their arms and legs around it and they can't be convinced otherwise and that's great and there's like certain films that people are passionate about and certain films that people just don't get you know I have a you have a control group of just 10 random people and everybody's going to have the movies that they're into and everybody's going to have the movies that they just didn't get. And you're going to find two or three people who just love Jojo Rabbit and two or three people who just didn't get Jojo jo Rabbit and don't care for it. And just about, the ti- just about the time you get yourself convinced that like, oh, yeah, I have good taste and I know what I like. And I, I-, I bet you my tastes are relatively mainstream. And then you go and start talking to people and you're just like... Holy cow! They love all the movies that I don't care about and don't or don't get. Like you know, you're talking about something like Joker. Like how often have you ended up in conversations where you found people who are really passionate about it and you're just tearing your hair out, going, "I just don't get it. How could people love this stuff?" It's kind of how I yeah. start to feel about Jojo Rabbit. I know you're a big Jojo Rabbit guy, mm-hmm. I, and I'm and I just like find myself listening to podcasts or whatever and hearing people who are so passionate about Jojo Rabbit. I'm just like. I just don't get it. That's just not the movie that I saw. And yeah. it's it's just a fascinating sort of social experiment to see where people decide to declare their loyalties and just about the point where you think you may have a consensus and you're like, oh yeah, it seems like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has got this thing sewn up. Then you find somebody who's just like, that's the worst fucking movie I saw last year. I just don't get it. I just don't know what's going on. And yeah. the one exception to that this year is Parasite. I I have not yet talked to anybody who's seen that movie who didn't love it. And we can get into the implications of that and whether it legitimately has a chance or not. But like that is, of these nine movies, that is the one where I literally haven't talked to. I've talked to somebody who disliked every single film on this list except for Parasite. That's the only one where nobody doesn't like Parasite.
1: Do you think it's possible, and this sort of ties into what you're saying, that Parasite's universal uh, belovedment, not a word, I know, <laughs> is is tied to the fact that out of all these movies... You know, you you go to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's baggage. Everyone knows it's a Tarantino movie. There's a lot of hype. People know stuff about it. Little Women. They know that it's a, you know, it's a it's a remake of of a of a, of a famous book. Uh, they go into 1917. They know it's the one shot thing. Like people learn about these movies to such a great degree now that they can sort of form opinions going in. Sure. You know, which happened with with people going to see Joker, right? Yep. And, and so they're 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 going to think one way about it, um, almost no matter what. Uh, but then Parasite, all anyone knows is it's this crazy foreign movie that everyone likes, right? Because it's kind of hard to explain anyway. And so I, I just wonder if information age bullshit, like people have so much invested in a movie, whether positively or negative, before they even see it these days, that it helps to have something come out of nowhere, and especially if it's foreign. And, I, you know, Parasite is an all time great movie, I think. So I I don't think it would have a problem being universally beloved. But I just wonder if that's a part of it.
0: Um, It's an interesting theory. I mean, you know, last year, I feel like people weren't as passionate or blown away by Roma. People just weren't as committed to Roma as they are to Parasite. And I think *Parasite* is definitely empirically a better film, but you know, but you know, then again, maybe *Roma* had Netflix baggage or, or whatever as well.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't wanna make this the 200th episode in a row where we talk about Netflix and what it all means. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Uh, no, uh, I do think I'm, that, I'm interested in you, your theory, though. Well, no, just you know, *Irishman* and *Roma*. You know, when you have these long ass movies that people are watching on their couch. They're not going to sit at rapt attention for three and a half hours to watch these movies environment in a venue that's not the ideal venue anyway. So I don't think that helps.
0: Yeah, it's fair. And, you know, what are the two films that four months ago seemed like they were the hottest properties, seemed like they were going to run away with all these all these awards and now There's a pretty decent chance they may not win any, you know, or maybe just one or two amongst them. And that's Marriage Story and The Irishman, right? Like, talk about two movies that have completely cooled over the last couple months. I mean, I could see The Irishman going home empty-handed. And there's only really one that I think is guaranteed for Marriage Story. But back in October, it seemed like those were the two films to really like throw your money at, right?
1: It's a Netflix bias. And I think it's, uh, I'm okay with there being a little Netflix bias, you know, I'm okay with it.
0: I mean, maybe they just have a a higher hurdle to clear by nature of their of their format and their business model.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt, well, is it time? Should we just get into some of the categories?
0: Yeah, let's get into it. I I basically just ordered these in uh, the order that I felt made the most sense in terms of building drama, in terms of working towards best picture. We are both going to give our predictions many of which I think are going to be I mean I could see us going the same direction with at least 75 80% of these because unfortunately this year is a little chalk this year is going to be a little bit predictable but the yeah. the exciting thing is that the two biggest categories of the night which I think would be director and picture the closest that they've been in many years I feel
1: yeah and they're certainly closer than the vast majority of categories it's <laughs> yes. really it was really kind of depressing looking at the betting odds for a lot of these things where it's it's really Strong, strong, strong favorites in almost every category.
0: And, you know, we can obviously sound off uh, about, you know, what we would prefer to see win. But at the end of the day, uh, that really doesn't matter that much. I I would like to just briefly kind of discuss a few of these films as we work our way through this, because, you know, we didn't do a lot of um, present tense episodes last year. And so there's a lot of these movies we haven't really even had a chance to talk about yet unless yeah. unless they came up in our in our top 10 list. So there are a few things. I would love to hear your opinion about Ford versus Ferrari, for example, when we get to that. Yeah, let's just dance through it real quick. I'm just going to start with best live action short film. I finished watching all five of them the other day. As usual, uh, many of them are quite dark and quite punishing. There's at least a couple in <laughs> As of, is the... <laughs> this yeah, is often is the, the case. And also too damn long. Like, I don't want to sound... You know, like, I roll my eyes when people talk about how The Irishman is like, oh God, it's three and a half hours long. It's such a long movie. I couldn't get through it. What is the deal with these... 40-minute shorts, man. Like, come on, short. It's right there in the goddamn title. Short, punchy, programmable. I can't believe how often these live-action shorts end up pushing 45, 50 minutes. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's a novella. That's not a short, right?
0: Exactly. And technically, a short is anything that's less than 60 minutes. But boy, it's it's sometimes it's hard to get through a 55-minute short, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're trying to watch all these things in a block. So uh, for best live-action shorts, you have a sister, brotherhood. Uh, Nefta Football Club, uh, Saria, and The Neighbor's Window. So uh, you have you seen any of these? Are you going into this just based on ve- uh, Vegas odds?
1: I haven't seen any of the shorts, unfortunately. I, I got through a ton of movies in the last month. I saw every documentary, but I have not seen any of the short films in any... To any degree, so I'm going in blind. I'm going. I'm going chalk here. Which would be? I got Brotherhood.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna do Brotherhood as well. I saw Brotherhood over the summer at a film festival. Actually, it's an excellent movie. Subject matter kind of falls in line with uh, with what uh, usually tends to win in this category, but it's it's actually quite an excellent film. Uh, my favorite in this category is actually Nefta Football Club, which is a super cute and somewhat short short. And uh, I, to me, that was just the most fun. It's got a fun little comedic button at the end. But since they rarely go with the lighter comedic stuff in this category, I think Brotherhood is a pretty solid prediction. Uh, best animated short film. Uh, have not watched these five yet. I'm hopeful to go uh, see them in the theater this weekend. Daughter, Hair Love, Kitbull, Memorable, and Sister. I got hair love. Yep, we're both going with hair love. Nice. Uh, it's got the right. best Vegas odds. Uh, it's also directed by, a, um, uh, by an athlete. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the film. I'm sure it's a great film. I'm excited to check it out this weekend. But I think the fact that um, the late Kobe Bryant also won an Oscar in this category a couple years back might temper people. Towards a film like this? People who've done their research and know that this film was was directed by a former athlete? feel like there might that, be something that's, there. That's,
1: qu- that's quite a stretch. I don't
0: know. <laughs> Correlation will not necessarily equal causality when it wins on Sunday, but I, I, yeah. I think there's something to it. Documentary short subject, uh, all pretty pretty dark, uh, all quite good. Mm-hmm. Watch, watched all of them. Uh, and You can find most of these online, actually, if you're interested in that okay. sort of thing. In the absence learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl, life overtakes me. St. Louis, Superman, and walk run cha-cha
1: i have learning to skateboard in a war zone i do as well
0: um yep i think those are all pretty darn smart predictions on our part although i will say i felt that in the absence was the best of the five and um also interestingly a film from south korea Uh, no south korean film had ever been nominated for an oscar until this year And as a result of Parasite and In the Absence, we now have six nominations for the previously unrepresented South Korea. Pretty exciting. Really great doc. Very dark, but uh, it's worth your time. Check it out. I think you can find it on... the. I think it's on the PBS website. It was a Frontline documentary. Uh, Okay, we'll keep going. Best animated feature film. Uh, I have to be honest. I have, I still haven't watched How to Train Your Dragon.
1: Oh, I thought I I was gonna, I was gonna ask if you'd done the deal. If you'd watched every single thing. I'm
0: working on it. I'm about, I'm about eight movies. I'm about. Well, no, I guess I'm actually about ten movies short at this point if you count those five animated shorts i haven't watched yet i'm not sure if i'm gonna make it this year i don't know if i'm gonna get to maleficent mistress of evil i gotta be perfectly honest (laughs) <laughs> ordinarily i try to do my homework but you know this year was a sh- this year was a truncated season as well right yeah for true. better for worse this is the shortest oscar season in a long time so if i don't make it to mit to maleficent mistress of evil and breakthrough by sunday i don't think i'm gonna lose too much sleep over it yeah you're fine. even though i'm ordinarily a, everybody knows i'm ordinarily a completist so we got how to train your dragon the hidden world i lost my body klaus missing link and toy story four what do you got?
1: This was kind of surprising to me. Interesting category.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go Klaus. Okay. So you're you're going with the Annie Award winner. It's a cool movie. I, I liked it. It's on Netflix. It's a it's a very it's it's got a really interesting aesthetic to it. I like where your head's at. I'm gonna be a coward and go with Toy Story 4. But right. I really think it definitely comes down to these two. You know, as much as I love Toy Story 4 and I loved Toy Story 4. Uh, it is a super boring pick, and um, mm-hmm. and Klaus would actually it would be kind of fun.
1: Klaus is apparently the Vegas favorite according to the website I was on. Yeah,
0: because it because it won a bunch of Annie Awards last
1: week. And I did not love Toy Story four, so. <laughs> I merely liked it
0: Fair enough uh, Alright, best documentary feature, American Factory Oh, P.S. Uh, if, if I was going to choose my favorite in this category It would definitely be I Lost My Body Which is another Netflix film Have you watched I Lost My Body yet? No, I have not Okay, it's great, check it out It's a really okay, interesting French film um, Do you have a, a pick in this category If uh, if you had your druthers?
1: In in best animated film? Yeah,
0: is Toy Story the only one you've seen?
1: It's the only one I've seen, okay. yeah Easy <laughs>
0: enough uh, okay, moving on. Best documentary feature: American Factory, Force Sama, Honeyland, The Cave, and The Edge of Democracy. Strong, strong slate this year. Great, all great movies, all.
1: Uh, you know, I don't really get the Honeyland hype. I liked it fine. I think that's my least favorite of the five documentaries, which is interesting. Um, yeah, that
0: movie made history this year. Um, no document, no film has ever been nominated in both documentary and foreign film category.
1: I know it's it's pretty crazy and I don't really understand it. And you know, I also don't like the one movie per country idea either. I think that's kind of bullshit.
0: Oh, well, we'll get we'll get We'll get to that when we when we talk about international yeah.
1: film. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, I mean, these, I really like the other four quite a bit. And for me, it's a toss-up for my favorite between Edge of Democracy and American Factory. Okay. I'm going to predict American Factory. I think I liked Edge of Democracy a little more. Okay. Another Netflix film. Yeah.
0: I, I love American Factory. I obviously put it on my top 10 of, of last year. Um, I just watched Fursama and the Cave back-to-back earlier this week. Oof.
1: Yeah, that's a tough oh, double Oh, boy. Feature.
0: Aleppo, man. Um I liked Honeyland quite a bit. I, I'm not sure if I'm as over the moon about it as a lot of people are. Um, and The Edge of Democracy, while it's a fascinating subject, I just found the film to be a little bit clinical for my taste. Yeah. so I'm, That's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Fair enough. Uh, so I'm definitely going to go with uh, American Factory here as well. But this is, a, this is an exciting category because I think it's a strong slate of movies, and I think it's also pretty close. Honestly, yeah. with the exception of... I I think it's a three-way race between American Factory, Forsama, and um, Honeyland. I'd be shocked to see the Cave or the Edge of
1: Democracy win.
0: But if okay. American Factory for Sama or Honeyland win, I'm not going to su- it's not going to surprise
1: me. It feels like American Factory just makes the most sense for the voters, you know. It's got the, the it Obama the Ob- bump. Obama yeah. thing and it's got it was easily accessible on Netflix and it's a really uh I don't know, it, it it's an easily tangible subject for a lot of people and I th-
0: It's been out for a long time and um, yeah, it's just not quite as punishing as uh, as the the Aleppo as the as the Syrian centric <laughs> films are. Let's keep moving. Best achievement in visual effects, nineteen seventeen. Avengers: Endgame, Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, The Irishman, and The Lion King.
1: It's got to be nineteen seventeen, doesn't it? it? Just has to be. All
0: right, uh, this is good. I'm glad we're dis- I'm glad we're disagreeing because this will make our. Um our eventual bet a little more interesting i'm gonna go with avengers all right so i think you are in line with the vegas odds i think 1917 has is the odds on favorite here to win uh for some reason i have myself convinced that most you know the highest grossing film in history has just gotta get some kind of love by the academy before it's too late like the only category this film is nominated in and i just i don't know I, i guess i've got myself convinced that they've just gotta throw yeah. some love towards the MCU they they haven't really with the exception of some you know a little bit of Black panther love
1: yeah I mean my counterpoint would be that they have they haven't, haven't. Shown they the never love. have exactly so yeah I, <laughs> so I, I, I
0: you know I, I'm, I'm I'm functioning I'm coming at it from this really kind of like silly and somewhat misinformed place where you're at the roulette table and you look up at the the big board and you realize that it, it hasn't hit red in like the last 12 rolls or whatever you're like oh well well, it's got to be Red next, right? Mm. And there's actually yeah, there's zero science <laughs> to Gambler's fallacy, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. So anyway, I'll probably eat my words on this one, but I'm going to take a flyer on it anyway. All right. Uh, I, P.S. I watched The Lion King the other night, finally. What do you uh, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's terrible. Actually, that's, yeah. that's, that's a little bit knee-jerk. It's fine. It's, I'll never watch it again. And the only thing it really, it, it just got me excited about revisiting the original. And it reminded yeah, it's me.
1: Got, it's just no reason to exist, you know.
0: But I watched it because I was trying to chip away at all the um, nominees that I hadn't seen yet. And it was on Disney And so it was just there. I did it, but I didn't like it. So moving on, uh, Best Achievement in Sound Editing, 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a broken record here, but it's got to be 1917.
0: I agree with that. I'm actually going to um, combine sound editing and sound mixing and thinking that 1970 is going to take both. Uh, the only difference in the two categories in terms of nominees is you flip-flop Star Wars and for, uh, Ad Astra. Ad Astra is actually nominated in sound mixing. But do you think 1917 is going to take both? I do. Okay then we're in agreement on that. How do you feel about Ford versus Ferrari? Did you like it? We never got a chance to talk about it.
1: I thought it was totally fine. <laughs> I mean, everyone makes the joke, it's the ultimate dad movie, and I kind of felt that way. It doesn't help that I don't give a shit about cars or car racing. Mm-hmm. You know, James Magald is a professional director. He knows what he's doing, and we have some charismatic stars, but it's a pretty, you know, paint-by-numbers, biopic, slice-of-history you know history thing, and uh, thought it was totally fine. Wasn't that into it. Didn't regret watching it. B. Solid B for me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm a big Mangold guy, but it's probably his fifth best movie. Maybe you know, like, yeah, nothing special. Probably about ten minutes longer than it needed to be.
1: My hope is that you know he made this, you know, knowing that now he can make whatever he wants. He can make something
0: weird and cool, like his Bob Dylan movie with Timothy Chalamet.
1: Oh, is that is that his next movie? Apparently, yeah. Uh, I don't. Do we need another Bob Dylan movie? <laughs> probably not.
0: But uh, but it's happening whether we need it or not. Okay, so we're both in agreement. Nineteen Seventeen takes both of those. It seems like Nineteen Seventeen and Ford versus, Ford versus Ferrari are pretty much neck and neck odds wise for in these two categories so don't be surprised if it goes Ford versus ferrari's way
1: i i agree i just think there's gonna be well we'll get to it but i, I think 1917 has got yeah you think the pretty good momentum yeah, yeah that's fair
0: best achievement in music written for motion pictures original song uh diane warren i'm standing with you from the film breakthrough have you seen the film breakthrough oscar no, I've not. Oh, okay, good. Ni- neither has anybody else. <laughs> Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, the husband and wife team who won an Oscar for Let It Go a couple years back, have been nominated again for Frozen 2, Into the Unknown. Uh, Cynthia Revo and Joshua Brian Campbell for a song called Stand Up from Harriet. And Elton John and Bernie Taupin, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocketman. Oh, and Randy Newman. I can't let you throw yourself yeah. away from Toy Story 4. <laughs> Lest we forget
1: Randy Newman. I think people are just going to jump at the chance for uh, to vote for Elton John and... Bernie Tobin, so that's what I'm going with.
0: I agree with that, but I'm rooting for uh, Randy Newman for "I Can't Let Yourself Throw." I can't let you throw yourself away because I love that song. I'm excited to see him perform it. Yeah, I just can't get enough Randy Newman. Mm-hmm. It's exciting he's a double nominee this year. but And it's also interesting that he was nominated in this category 20 years ago for Toy Story 2 for the great song that Sarah McLachlan sang, right? Uh, when yeah. She Loved yeah. Me. Yeah. Uh, all right. Best Achievement in Music written for Motion Picture's original score, the aforementioned Randy Newman for Marriage Story, Thomas Newman for 1917, Randy Newman's cousin, <laughs> Hilder Guanadotir. <laughs> The great, young, hot, Icelandic composer for Joker, uh, Alexandra Desplat, who's become sort of a perennial in the uh, last decade or so for Little Women, and a uh, newcomer named John Williams for Star Wars Episode Nine, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker, his 52nd nomination.
1: Not bad, Johnny boy. Not um too shabby. Is, you know, you're more of a score guy than I am. Big score guy. Um, but let me ask you this. Does this... Year for original score seemed just a little uninspiring, or am I just making that up?
0: I think that the two, the only two legitimate contenders in this category, turned in incredibly strong work. I, I think the score mm-hmm. tonight—I just saw 1917 again the other night. This, this score is fucking phenomenal. Like it really is. You know, everybody talks mm-hmm. about the cinematography, of course, and you know Mendes' sort of conception of that story, but I don't think we're giving Thomas Newman enough credit for how mm-hmm. pivotal. His score is to the overall feel of that film. Uh, I just been I've been mm-hmm. listening to it all week long, but I do think the best score of last year, or at least the best of these five scores, is Hildur Guanado score for Joker, mm-hmm. which seems to be. Even people who dislike that movie seem to be able to agree on two things. One, Joaquin is kind of unimpeachable. Two, uh, Hildur's score is truly unique and exciting.
1: I am one of those people who don't doesn't like the Joker, and I will say that, yeah, the score is fantastic, and I think it, in fact, does a lot of the heavy lifting in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. It's She's going to be somebody to watch. She also scored uh, Chernobyl last year, which was equally haunting. Um, I think she's one of those mm-hmm. people, like Michael, uh, Mika Levi, who's just like this is really exciting. These young female uh, composers being given the opportunity to you know work on this at this scale. I, I think this is just going to be somebody we're going to be watching for a long time or listening to for a long time rather, and being like, mm-hmm. wow, can you believe she won a friggin Oscar when she was you know just right out of the gates when she was so young? It's crazy. But if Tom and if Thomas Newman does win. He's been this is his 15th nomination he's never won. Oh. If he does win, uh wouldn't surprise me either cuz it definitely seems like a bit of a uh, it's time. So we're in agreement on that one. Next up uh makeup and hair styling 1917 bombshell joker Judy Maleficent Mistress of Evil.
1: Yeah, not only do I think uh, Bombshell will win, I think it should win.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. This is uh, Kazuhiro, who, uh, of course, won a couple years back for um, Darkest Hour, mm-hmm. where he won for uh, changing a very famous movie star into a very famous yeah. person from.
1: <laughs> Turning Charlize into Megyn Kelly was. It's astonishingly good, the work they did in this movie. Did you like Bombshell? I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I yeah, I I I, did, I kind of expected to kind of hate it, but uh but I didn't. I I thought it was a fine take on it, and uh, you know I'm I, I was it wasn't like the takedown that Vice was, um, but it was a good sort of procedural look at all uh, at how that went down and the culture there. So I thought it was fine. That's, yeah,
0: another again lowercase F fine. I went to go see it with somebody who afterwards kind of just turned to me and she was like, you know, if it, if it wasn't for the fact that there was three big movie stars at the center of that, it really feels like your average Jay Roach HBO movie, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like, like just
0: you know I don't mean to insult the guy or anything, but just in terms of the kinds of films that Jay Roach has been making for the last, you know, Jay Roach is like post Meet the Parents, post um, Austin Powers filmography. This Mm -hmm. felt exactly in line with that. Political, above average, but still not fit for theatrical. Uh, Like, like the only reason that movie ever saw a movie theater is because it's got two three huge movie stars at the center of it. But as far as I'm concerned, they're way better than the material
1: yeah and it's it's just a really fun cast too i mean whether kate mckinnon lithgow malcolm mcdowell rob delaney like there's a lot of people in there that are are having a good time and do plus made the movie palatable yeah
0: but everybody that you just rattled off i could definitely see being in a HBO film but you know but then again Nicole Kidman's doing a lot of work with HBO as well so there's yeah. there's, there's no <laughs> it's
1: not not much of an insult there's right?
0: no there's no shame in that nowadays all right next up uh best achievement in costume design Jojo Rabbit Joker Little Women Once Upon a Time in Hollywood
1: yeah I think it's it's got to be Little Women I mean it's got the advantage of being a a period piece based you know with, with a lot of fun costumes ton of costume changes it just seems pretty obvious to me.
0: Yeah, I'm with you as well. It feels a little gross that this might be the only Oscar that Little Women wins. The fact that you're giving the costume design Oscar to the, to the one film directed by a woman. But yeah, you can't really argue with the, the, period piece aspect of it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope it's not one win, but uh, probably will be.
0: I think it's a pretty good chance it is. I think this is a relatively strong category though. You know, Mark Bridges for Joker. He, of course, won a couple years back for Phantom Thread. Sandy Powell is a perennial. She's won multiple times. She's obviously worked with Scorsese a lot. Even though I think that Little Women is going to win, uh, Jacqueline Duran, and I think does she deserves to win, if they throw it at Ariana Phillips for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, four out of five of these movies are... Here, actually, you know what? All five of these are period pieces. Joker's technically a period piece too.
1: Yeah, technically. doesn't really feel like, but yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: So all these are period piece films, and if it went to Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or Jojo Rabbit, it wouldn't surprise
1: me. Yeah, and I wouldn't be upset with any of those.
0: But I do think Little Women is the strongest of the five. Next up, Best Achievement in Production Design, 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. Exciting, Mm -hmm. exciting, interesting category.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting category, and you know, even though I'm not the biggest once upon upon a time in Hollywood guy. Um, and I'm the biggest parasite guy. I think the, the most impressive thing to me about once upon a time in Hollywood is just the is the detail and the verisimilitude, And I yeah, I, I would give it to once upon a time in Hollywood. And I think that's it's going to take it down.
0: I think it is as well. I am in complete agreement with you on this one. Although I will say I think the parasite is my favorite of these five. Pardon me for the cliche, but it's almost like the house in that movie is just a <laughs> character, right?
1: I mean, it's like they found the house. I mean, they found the perfect house. No, they it
0: built just, it. it just
1: they built that house. They
0: built that house. <laughs> that is not a real house. Oh, and I'll and I'll do you. I'll do you one better. There is no second story on that house. That second story, when you're looking at the house from the outside, the second story is all blue screen. Oh,
1: fuck! That's so cool. Interesting. right? God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: So yeah, we're in agreement. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, probably wins this, but uh, Parasite is really impressive, and just the idea of architecture being kind of a thematic undertone in that film uh, mm-hmm. I just think is just just a really interesting masterstroke on Bong's part. Um, so if they did win it, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Speaking of Parasite, best achievement in film editing, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Parasite, The Irishman, and Jojo Rabbit.
1: I would give this to Parasite, but I think this is going to be where they throw a bone to Ford vs. Ferrari. So
0: you're going with Ford vs. Ferrari. I'm going with Parasite. Who I also believe to be the most deserving in this category.
1: Ah, I got a root against Parasite <laughs> in the category. That's,
0: no. For what it's worth, uh, Jin Mo Yang, the editor of Parasite, did win the um, I think it's called the Eddie Award, right? A couple, uh, a couple yeah, weeks so. ago, yeah. So he he won, which I think was a little bit of a surprise to people. I think Ford versus Ferrari had been kind of the the leader in the clubhouse here. That it would be potentially maybe the one consolation you know bone that they would throw Ford versus Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I think Ford versus Ferrari is going home and empty-handed on Sunday. I just don't think there's a lot of passion for that movie.
1: Uh, I wouldn't mind that, but I mean, was, there's was enough passion to get it nominated. Which yeah, I think this I think this one
0: could be close. Interesting. I was I was crunching the numbers the other day, and I think only three films in the last thirty years have won Best Picture who didn't have an editing nomination. Hmm. In other words, editing can oftentimes be quite the harbinger of a Best Picture winner. And the reason that I bring that up is that 1917 is conspicuously not nominated in this category, even though it is nominally the uh, Best Picture frontrunner, right? Well,
1: it's because there were no edits. Okay. Okay.
0: So yes, that point is well taken. And that's exactly where people go when they realize that piece of trivia do you know what the last film to have won best picture that wasn't nominated for editing and think about the reason that 1917 was not nominated for editing and it should be pretty clear to you which film i'm talking about what
1: the fuck a um, quote-unquote
0: one you know a movie with quote-unquote no cuts right a a one take film oh my god what's why? the last what's oh what's the last one take film that won best picture
1: it's not brian de palma's snake eyes <laughs> <is it? laughs> no no uh, I'll give you
0: a hint it was uh five years ago
1: oh five years ago oh uh, birdman exactly so yeah, Bird, okay. birdman
0: was not nominated in this category either but it's very very rare for a film with no editing nomination to win best picture mm-hmm. so I'll just I'll just throw that out there i you know I, All right. I don't think that means 1917 is any less the front runner but uh, mm-hmm. but it is something to think about that there's a pretty good chance that parasite might win this in this category and 1917 is not even nominated duly noted PS uh the editor of Jojo rabbits name is Tommy Eagles, which I just think is just an awesome name, (laughs) considering that. I think it wasn't Taika Waititi's first film called Eagle and Shark. Yeah. Eagle versus Shark. Eagle versus Shark. Yeah. All right. Here we go. It's getting exciting. One of my favorite categories. Best Achievement in Cinematography. Roger Deakins for 1917. Lawrence Shearer for Joker. Robert Richardson for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Rodrigo Prieto for The Irishman. And Jaron Blaschke for The Lighthouse.
1: Yeah. Fun to see The Lighthouse in there. I mean, this is Deakins, right? This is Deakins all the way without a doubt.
0: As a matter of fact, uh, I was looking at the uh, Vegas odds on uh, betdsi.com. Uh, yeah. You can't even place a bet on <laughs> you can't place a bet on cinematography and you can't place a bet on international feature film, which is the next category we'll talk about, because I think mm-hmm. they're so prohibitive that there's just no way to possibly make a profit on that, so they're not even bothering put it up, putting it up there. Yeah. Because the favorites are so prohibitively favored. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're we're in agreement on this. I gotta say, I know you're a big Blade Runner 2049 guy. Part of me kind of wishes that he hadn't won for that. <laughs> because it'd be pretty great if this was his first if this was his first Oscar. But I mean, granted, yeah, it, it was it was fun, it was fun to get to see him win a couple years ago. But to me, this is the one he should have won his first Oscar
1: for. Blade Runner is a better movie than
0: 1970. Wow, hot take. All right, wow. I, I just realized we haven't even really Talked about 1917 yet, and I was sort of like waiting for Best Picture to get into it. But um, it was number three on my top 10 of 2019 list. I haven't talked to you since you've seen it. We'll discuss it in a second. Uh, International feature film Corpus Christi, which is the last international film I need to get to before Sunday. I've been unsuccessful. (laughs) So far and looking for it online, I may need to resort to more uh, desperate measures, but I've seen the other four and they're all quite excellent. Honeyland, Les Miserables, which I just saw last week and is an incredible movie, Pain and Glory, and of course, Parasite, the prohibitive favorite, which I presume is what we're both going
1: with. We're going, both going with Parasite. I, I've missed uh, Corpus Christi and uh, Les Miserables, I saw the other three. I, You know, I like Pain and Glory quite a bit, Honeyland I'm not so keen on, but Parasite was my favorite movie of the year, so... I'll be happy when Bong gets uh, gets to give a speech.
0: Late Miserab really felt like homework to me, mm-hmm. and I just was absolutely blown away. I mean, there's been a lot of controversy about it because um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire has been so much more critically acclaimed. And France Mm -hmm. famously, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, every country can only submit one film. And that's been sort of a subject of controversy. Um, They decided to go with Les Miserables for political reasons. And it is a very political film. And Portrait of a Lady on Fire is definitely superior. But I got to say, People will discover this movie at some point, and it, it's it's a pretty incredible achievement. Like it's not nearly as preachy as I was worried it was going to be, but it's still overtly political and extraordinarily successful in delivering its it's quite devastating message Mm -hmm. i absolutely loved it i I can't recommend it highly enough honestly if i'd have seen it before we put together our top 10 list of 2019 pretty decent chance it might have made it on that list
1: yeah i I mean to check it out I'll, i'll get there soon
0: it's great best adapted screenplay taika waititi for jojo rabbit todd phillips and scott silver for your beloved joker Greta Gerwig for mm-hmm. Little Women, Steve Zalian for The Irishman, and Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes.
1: Yeah, this is a fun one. Um, I thought Two Popes was also just fine. Extremely well acted and the, the script was good, but it's not really my favorite subject matter. Mm-hmm. I would give this to Greta Gerwig if I had my druthers, but I think this is going to go to Taika. I think Taika's beloved. Obviously, the Academy likes Jojo Rabbit quite a bit. That will be my prediction. Mr. Taika Atiti, and I'll be... Tickled pink when he gets to take the stage.
0: Yeah, the odds are in your favor. This is a hill that I'm probably going to die on. Smart money is on Taika. Everybody I've listened to thus far... In terms of prognostication, has sided with you. I'm gonna go with Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Nice. I just all think right. in light, and she's also my pick for the strongest script in this category. You know, I'm obviously tempered by the fact that I didn't really like Jojo Rabbit, but I'm also just thinking in light of everything that's happened this year, and all the controversy, and all the hand wringing and all the you know, all the discussion, um, all the discourse if you will. Mm -hmm. It just seems like, and and I don't mean to, um, I don't say this to diminish her incredible artistic achievement by saying they throw her a bone because she's a woman and because she wasn't nominated in, in the director category. But I just feel that all of this angst really Mm -hmm. just adds up to them throwing her this bone for lack of a better term thus far all the various guilds and things don't support me in that but i'm still gonna die on this hill
1: it's a it's a noble hill to die on and i hope you're right
0: speaking of screenplays original screenplay sam mendes and Kristen wilson cairns for 1917 ryan johnson for knives out noah bombach for marriage story and quentin tarantino for once upon a time in hollywood and of course Parasite, Bong Joon-ho and Jin Wan-han.
1: Obviously, I would give this to Bong if I could, uh, but you know, never underestimate the American Academy's penchant for xenophobia. I am going to go against the grain here and say Tarantino takes this.
0: Interesting. Okay, cool. I like that we're disagreeing as as much as we are. I'm going with Parasite because uh, you know he won the WJ award last weekend. One could. Bring up the fact that Tarantino was not eligible for that because he's not a member of the WGA. And it would be interesting to see in an alternate universe if he had been and if he had been up against Bong, if he still would have, if Bong and Jinwan Han still would have won. We'll never know that, but we may find out on Sunday if it was a Mm fluke. So I'm going with Parasite. You're going with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Here we go. It's getting exciting. Best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Florence Pugh for Little Women. Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Margot Robbie for Bombshell. And Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit.
1: Yeah. I like this category. I still haven't seen Richard Jewell. Did you get to that one? I did
0: see Richard Jewell. It is a crazy
1: movie. (laughs) Really? I
0: I've loved so much about it. And I hated so much about it. It was it was a oh real emotional roller coaster in that theater. Like I, I don't even know where I don't even know where to begin with Richard Jewell. Paul Walter Hauser is so fucking good in that movie. Kathy Bates and Sam Rockwell are so fucking good. Olivia Wilde and John Hamm. Are the most cartoonish villains I think I've ever
1: seen in a movie.
0: <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how silly those characters are and how just awful those two performances. I just I don't know if I've ever seen like actors working so far at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Every time Rockwell, Paul Walter Hauser, and Kathy Bates are on screen together, the movie just transcended. Just incredible. You're just like wow. I I want to do nothing else but be with these three people and then anytime anything is coming out of Olivia Wilde or John Hamm's mouth and just like this is the most cartoonish thing i've ever seen what the, what the fuck are we doing here
1: yeah i've been meaning to get to it but uh, i don't know i've been a fan of Clint's work for quite a while now so i've been reticent so for this category i i would prefer Florence Pugh or even Scarjo here but all signs point to Laura Dern and while i don't necessarily agree with it she is uh, you know she does take over the screen in Marriage Story and uh, people people seem to think it's her time. So I'm predicting Laura Dern. I'm
0: going to do the same although I think that Florence Pugh is the strongest performance in this category. She's got a lot of time. She's going to win many Oscars in her career. It's just exciting that she's nominated so young. Laura Dern is definitely going to win. Put all your money on on (laughs) Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Uh, Best performance by an actor in supporting role. Al Pacino for The Irishman. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci for The Irishman. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Did you see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood.
1: Uh, Yeah, I did see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and I was pretty fond of it actually and thought Tom Tom Hanks was, uh, well, you know, I was expecting to really dislike the movie and not be a fan of it and it sort of pleasantly surprised me. I sort of liked the take on it, It wasn't a typical biopic. And I thought Tom Hanks was absolutely incredible and just wouldn't have worked without anyone and every scene he was in uh, was terrific. So if I had my druthers, I'd give it to Hanks or Pitt. I think it's kind of a tie, but you know, it's going to be Brad Pitt. So What's the point?
0: I wasn't crazy about A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I found it to be kind of a snoozer, but I agree that Hanks was quite good. Um, If I had my druthers, I would give it to Pesci. I think the Irishman belongs to Pesci. Um, I think he blows everybody off the screen in that film, playing (laughs) completely against type, or at least against what we've come to expect from him. I think this might be the performance of Pesci's career. Like, I would put this up against anything he was doing in Goodfellas personally, but it's not going to happen. It's going to be Pitt, and so we're both agreed on that, and I'm totally fine with that because it's about time for Brad Pitt to have an Oscar. Yeah. And and it's and it's fun that he's going to get to win his first Oscar for performance. Of course, we know he already has an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave for producing 12 Years a Slave, but it is kind of fun that he's going to get his first Oscar for a supporting performance, right? To reinforce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the assertion that he's actually a, a character actor in a leading man's body, playing a character who uh, takes off his shirt and and looks that you know looks every bit the uh, the hunk he was when he made uh, Thelma and Louise. Um, okay, so we are in agreement on that. Of course, something tells we were going to be agreement on these next two categories as well. Performance by an actress in a leading role: Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Cynthia Revo for Harriet. Renée Zellweger for Judy, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, and Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Crazy! Scarlett Johansson went from a from no nominations to two nominations in the same year.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I I'm, I'm happy for. her. I think she's uh, done really good work, despite her uh, you know little little sort of PR road bumps along the way. Yeah, it's
0: it's amazing that she put her foot in her mouth over and over and over over the last few years, and yet they still went ahead and double nominated her i was very surprised by that and i'm also surprised by the fact that she's a double nominee but she is not a favorite in either of the categories she's nominated i mean she's not going to win uh this year which is which is kind of bonkers to think about
1: i would sort of lean towards giving it to her for best actress um unfortunately all signs point to renee zellweger and that's a movie that i did turn on and then subsequently turned off <laughs> after about 25 minutes because I had no interest in plodding along. Judy's not for me, and um, I recognize that pretty quickly. Uh, I guess good for Renee Zellweger. It's fine. I mean, that seems to be the narrative that she's really stuck it out over the years, but uh, I, I would rather give to, to ScarJo or...
0: Uh yeah, I thought Judy was fine. I watched it last weekend. Uh, I didn't dislike it nearly as much as I expected to. Uh, I thought it was perfectly watchable. I thought she was actually quite excellent in it. I get why this has just become sort of such a slam dunk here. But yeah, if 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 it, you know if I had my druthers, it would be Saoirse Ronan. But that's also somebody who's got many many years in front of her and will probably win many many Oscars over. This. She's probably going to compete against her Little Women castmate, Florence Pugh, many times over the course of her career for this award. And uh, yes. and that's kind of exciting. All right, performance by an actor in a leading role, Adam Driver, Antonio Banderas, Joaquin Phoenix, Jonathan Price, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Marriage Story, Pain and Glory, Joker, The Two Popes, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, respectively.
1: Joaquin Phoenix, move on. Yeah,
0: but who would you, you're not a Joker guy, would you still, do you think, think he is the best performance in this category?
1: I would give it to Adam Driver, oh, actually. Oh, interesting, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I I love Marriage Story, and I think both the leads in that are more than deserving to to win this year. He's probably— um, and it's, it's kind of frustrating that they're not going to—it's kind of frustrating that Laura Dern is going to be the one acting win for, for that movie. I mean,
0: probably the one win, yeah, for that movie. Adam Driver is probably the um, distant second in this category but certainly distant. Um, If it was up to me, I'd give it to Antonio Banderas. I really loved the narrative (laughs) of that. I loved the idea that, and it wasn't just a, um, it wasn't just a lifetime achievement situation. I mean, he's phenomenal in that movie. Mm -hmm. It really, again, somebody sort of like somewhat playing against type. I I just thought he was absolutely charming in that and so understated and so lovely. And um, I, with all due respect to Joaquin Phoenix, who I think is great in Joker, uh, he's been better in better films. And probably you know probably should have won for the master honestly so I, I kind of wish that Banderas or that that Banderas didn't have to go up against a juggernaut like that because I feel like in a different year probably could have won and it would have been really fun to see him win. Here we go. These are going to be close, and I'm very excited to see which direction you go here. Uh, Achievement in directing, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Sam Mendes for 1917, and Todd Phillips for Joker.
1: Yeah, so I'm sort of being cynical here, and I'm going to hedge my bets either way. So, uh, you know, if I predict correctly, then, you know, I, I may take some money from you, and if I don't, Uh, (laughs) We got a puppy barking in the background We got a puppy going nuts I would love nothing more To see Bong win this one uh, But I'm going to predict Sam Mendes for 1917
0: So you're going to go with Mendes And I'm going to go with Bong So then what are you going to go with For motion picture of the year 1917 Ford vs. Ferrari Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Parasite or The Irishman
1: I'm going to go with 1917 Okay yeah,
0: no, you're you're definitely playing. You're playing to win this year. Yeah, I'm sick of losing money to you with my highfalutin,
1: optimistic uh, picks. It's true. I
0: have the last couple of years have been good to me. Now that I realize it,
1: I would be delightfully surprised if Parasite ends up winning any of these big categories. It would warm my heart. But I, I just don't think this, you know, a lot of these old ass Academy members are going to do it. I just don't think they're going to do it. Um, it'd be great if they do. But uh, yeah, I'm skeptical. I'm
0: also going with 1917 for picture. Um, I think it's going to split. And I think that Bong has built up enough goodwill over the last few months. Um, you know, we saw... Quran win last year. We saw Pavel Pawlikowski get nominated last year in the director category, which I think was kind of a big deal and set a new precedent. I really think that um, if it splits, it's going to go Parasite, director, 1917 for picture, but it could very easily go 1917 for both as well. I'd be shocked to see both go for Parasite, although it would make me extremely happy. It's a bridge too far at this point, but I do think they're going to split these two categories and that will be the consolation for
1: Parasite. That would be fine by me, and I, w- I would love that. I would love if Parasite won any of these big categories. It would be great.
0: All right. Well, as we wrap up here, right before we started recording, I had you briefly uh, jot down categories that you would like to see removed or combined in future mm-hmm. years. I think we got to a point now where it's we're overdue to shake things up a little bit, right? Things are getting a little stale, and um, mm-hmm. people are starting to get— kind of fatigued with all this and pissed off and there's just way more hot takes and op-eds than usual we, we, we got to shake things up a little bit i don't think we need to add you know best popular film or anything like that but no. first things first what would you lose what needs to go
1: okay so one of these i would just combine the sound mixing and editing absolutely People don't understand the difference and uh, best sound is is a totally fine category and will involve a lot of people. I think that that's an easy fix.
0: I completely agree. I do think we need to then be like, but the caveat is we can nominate up to eight people, right?
1: Okay. Like, that's fine. I think we
0: need to be able to recognize, you know, editors as well as mixers. And so they need to be given their own statues as well. So I know some of these categories have a maximum amount of nominees, And I think we need to be able to nominate at least five or six people in these categories if we combine them. But I think it's a good idea. And I think we're overdue for that. Okay.
1: So, and my next one is more of an alteration. I'm going to change, I'm going to get rid of best original song. Okay. Right. And what I'm going to change that to is best musical number. We see a lot of these original songs. They're pretty uninspiring. And I don't think it's fair or cool that, you know, you can just have Phil Collins, write a song and put it over the end credits and that can get nominated for an Oscar, right? Or whatever. I think it should be the combination of what's going on on screen with the song itself. Huh. Now, if if you want to change that and just have best musical number, that's great. It could be best original music number. Fantastic. Or you could split it into best you know, adapted musical number or best original musical number. I would be fine just going one category, best musical number, have anything. Like you know adam driver's scene in marriage story could be allowed in there but gotcha let's uh let's cut it out because a lot of these original songs are really uninspiring and bad so uh I, and i think that would just be a more fun category be more uh performable as well so uh yeah. yeah. What do you think of that? I also had that. On
0: my, I had that on my shortlist. That we just need to completely cut best original song because it's it's gotten to a point where this category has just become embarrassing, right?
1: Yeah. So what do you think? Best musical number? You yeah. Yeah. In? I'm
0: intrigued by it. So, but, so, but the thing is, you're saying that you can just perform a song written for a different medium. In the case of Marriage Story, Adam Driver singing "Being Alive," which was written for a Broadway mm-hmm. musical called Company. I'm saying you
1: could. Or you could just have it be best original musical number. I, I, I'd be open either way, uh, but maybe with the sort of understanding that if it is an adapted one, it's got to be fucking Dynamite. So okay. I don't know. No, it might be a little too nuanced for the Academy. We
0: definitely but. we definitely got to workshop this for sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. But I like where your head's at. Could a musical number, like could we do the Sister Christian scene from Boogie Nights, for example? Does that count? As a as a musical no, number. No, it has there has I, to actually I, no, be performed? It has to be singing. It's gotta
1: be per- performed, yes.
0: Okay. So for so for example, the uh, the Jennifer Lopez strip tease to uh Fiona Apple's criminal in Hustlers doesn't count necessarily. No, I don't think it would. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, yeah, we, we got it. We definitely got to uh, establish the yeah, parameters this ha- of this. this is
1: half baked for now, but this is. I, I think that we got something here.
0: Yeah, I like I like where head's At um, anything else? I, I have some additions. Okay,
1: let's hear it. All right, let's start here. Best cameo, hmm. and we we define cameo by one scene. Okay, you know, movies are littered with great one scene performances. Uh, so let's start there. I think that would be fun. People will enjoy it. We'll Get some you know big names doing it. Uh, that's not the one I'm most sort of passionate about. I think we should add at the very least best international director, best international actor and best international actress.
0: Interesting. So you're saying a performance, not in the English language. In other words.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's the same category default as, as best international feature.
0: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because you're basically saying that like, we got to do something about the fact that people who are Roberto Benini's aside people who mm-hmm. are performing in a language besides English are just uniformly ignored, uh, which is, a I problem.
1: mean, for, for Forgive me, I can't ever remember his name, but the dad in Parasite, Mr. Uh, not Mr. Sung Kang Ho. Sung Kang Ho. It is a fucking travesty that that guy did not acknowledge. That's when a I. Goddamn travesty. I, agreed, yeah. For sure. So maybe you don't have to have director because that's sort of baked into feature, but at least let's get a couple acting categories in there. Okay.
0: I mean, it's sort of on the same token I have here in my notes. Should we just make best female director? Like, should we just stop screwing around and just like, you know, clearly whatever we're doing isn't working and this is, this is becoming an epidemic problem. So it's going to seem a little crass, but should it just, I mean, we have best actor and best actress should just be best female director, best female, best male director. Absolutely not. Okay.
1: (laughs) Because then, what? You're going to do best female editing, best uh, female. Yeah. I mean,
0: I understand the floodgates. I, I, I get it, but it's just, I mean, or, or should we just expand the directing
1: category to 10 nominees? Um, we could do that, maybe seven or eight. I'd be okay with that. Okay. But or, or, yeah. Uh-oh. How about as a start, maybe this is a good place to, to go. Let's just make all of the big categories, the big director all four acting categories and both writing categories. Let's just uh, up those to six nominations.
0: <laughs> oh, we're going to start getting into Critics' Choice Award territory here. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know if I—yeah, I, I think I would push back against that. But I, I, I think I all would right. definitely agree that maybe we just need to expand director to 10. But mm-hmm. then again, that, that brings me to my biggest issue here and my my, like, biggest plea— is I'll just step back from my microphone a little bit. For the love of God, can Best Picture please just be 10 instead of all this 8, 9? But, like, I get it can be anywhere between 5 and 10, can't we just please make it ten or make it five? But all this eight, seven, eight, nine bullshit—like I just tear my hair at everybody. Like Jesus Christ! All we do is talk about what didn't make it in or the films that deserve to be there. You know, your farewells, your uncut gems. Why is there not just ten nominees? Why is there nine goddamn films? And it makes it so difficult for super hardcore nerdy cinephiles to be to be able to remember which films got nominated for Best Picture because we're like, okay, let's see in two thousand. 13, which movies got nominated for Best Picture? All right, well, it's got to be at least 10, right? No, it doesn't. Maybe it was nine, and that's just fucking exasperating
1: for me. Yeah, I'm not bothered by it. (laughs) It's the worst. I enjoyed your rant, though. Plus,
0: like, if if we're all convinced that The Farewell or Uncut Gems could be there, then why can't we just slot that in at number 10? Like, it it feels like an extra fuck you to The Farewell for there to be nine nominees and not 10 when there's... Films that everybody seems to agree, well, not everybody clearly, but (laughs) that the internet seems to agree should be there. Like, it's just such an extra kick in the ass to be like, yeah, we're only going to nominate nine.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's more bothersome that, you know, having the Joker in there at all is is a fuck you (laughs) to about 40 movies.
0: (laughs) Yep, the most nominated film of 2019, Lest We Forget. Speaking of nominations, I really, really want to add best stunts. I think we're overdue for that.
1: Yeah, best stunts. I mean, that's that. Isn't that just a little bit difficult to discern? Is it? We have.
0: I mean, they have. You know, stunt coordinators, unions, and guilds. And
1: is it best singular stunt or just best? Stunts in a film. The SAG Awards have Best
0: Stunt Ensemble. Like they give an award to the best stunt team from okay. from the movie. You know, so we just, you know, we we obviously just let the specialists vote on these kinds of things, and mm-hmm. uh, and we say, all right, well, all the stunt and anybody who's in SAG under stunt coordinator, or stunt performer, you get to vote on this. And that way, we can throw bones to uh, you know John Wick, Parabellum, Mad Max: Fury Road, Mission Impossible, Fallout. I mean, it'd be nice to mix it up and 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 celebrate these people a little bit. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, we give awards Can't to visual in. effects. Let's give awards to something that's a little more physical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're well, doing the w- Lord's w- work. With
1: that in mind, I'm gonna my final new category is simply best comedic performance. Okay, five nominations, and it's, it could be male or female. Okay, So just one category. Five
0: people. So you kind of want to do the Golden Globe thing where you'd separate drama and comedy.
1: Just for this one thing, because the the Academy Awards have done a terrible job at rewarding comic performances throughout the years. And, I, and, and until we solve that, I think, you know, a lot of times... Giving a great comedic performance is much more difficult, I think, than giving a great dramatic performance. So I want to reward the comedians out there. And I think this is a small, easy way to do it.
0: Now, are we separating it by actor and actress? Are we saying best no, comedic?
1: Just what, best comedic performance, it could be you know either male or female, just one category. Okay gotcha
0: my only other ones is I want best casting I just think okay. I, I think that's another sort of undervalued role and I mm-hmm. just don't think we talk about pivotal role that is casting director nearly enough and then the last thing is and this might hopefully uh, alleviate a little bit of the um you know lack of, of minorities and, and and women in the best director category is how about best first feature how about best de- debut
1: feature I would be okay with that I would like that. Best debut feature. Alright. I mean is this sort of how are we defining this? Cause you know, if you if you look at the like the Grammys, we'll do it. We'll do best new artist and you'll see the nominees be like, that person's had five albums.
0: You know, so so
1: is it really like is it really first feature or is it like
0: we're gonna we're gonna deal with it the exact same way as we deal with all of these categories. In order for a film to be n- eligible for an Oscar, is it needs to play in a movie theater in New York and Los Angeles for ten days before the thirty first of the year. So, in order for someone to have, if you have directed a feature film that. Was ever in a movie theater in New York and LA for a week or more, you are not eligible for this award for your current film. Okay,
1: I think that's fair. I think that's good.
0: There may be a little bit of of gamesmanship here. Like, you know, there probably could be international filmmakers who maybe had films released in other countries who you know they could maybe be on their third feature in which case they probably still qualify for this you know again we may have to Mm -hmm. workshop this out you know work this out a little bit basically the idea is even if you directed a teeny tiny little feature while you were in college if you did see some theatrical distribution, you are no longer eligible for this. Sorry. That's, I mean, that's all I got. I, I honestly, like, I just have been sort of looking back at the Oscars from 20 years ago because we're coming up on our um, retrospectating 1999 sort of talk down or whatever you want to call it, our final, our final mm-hmm. word on the year uh, 1999. And, you know, you obviously can't look at that year without looking back at the Oscars from 1999, which took place on March 26th. 2000 so this is a pretty easy question which film won best picture and best director in 1999 hint this director probably is going to win again this sunday 20 years after his first film and his first oscar sam
1: mendes for american beauty yeah there you go exactly
0: so what an interesting talk about coming full circle right I mean yeah
1: and he would win uh, he would easily win best uh, first feature in 1990 Yeah right?
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean that's one of the problems with that if your best first feature is fine you know is financed by Dreamworks <laughs> and you're already like a multiple yeah. Tony award winner and <laughs> Steven Spielberg has your back maybe we have to make maybe maybe best first feature is going to need the caveat of like needs to be less than 10 million dollars or something I don't know. Yeah. Um but it is interesting considering everything that's happened over the course of the last 20 years not just with Mendes but of course with With Spacey, with Harvey Weinstein, who, of course, was nominated that year for producing the Cider House Rules. And for Mendes to have come right out of the gates with with American Beauty and then to sort of floundered for at least a decade afterwards, right? Like, a lot of people love uh, Road to Perdition. A lot of people respect Jarhead. Very few people are particularly taken with um, Away We Go or... You know, nobody really talks about, uh, uh, what's it called? Revolution Road? Redemption?
1: Revolutionary Road. Revolutionary Road, Road. yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the guy really kind of floundered. I mean, granted, he was floundering with big budgets and with movie stars, but it really took the Bond franchise to kind of re-legitimize him, didn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked about it. We've been dancing around it. You're not... A big 1917
1: guy, huh? Uh, no, I, I think 1917 is really good. I think it probably would have been at the bottom of my top ten list had I gotten to see it before we did those. I think the ceiling for that, given sort of how thin and basic the story was, I just don't think the the, the ceiling was as high as, as as other movies. It just didn't. It left me feeling feeling just a tiny bit cold and just way more impressed by the you know the technical acumen than than anything else. So yeah, yeah, I I think it's really, really good. It's it's an incredible spectacle, just unbelievably well done as a as just a full bodied movie. Yeah, it didn't get me as much as uh you know, a number of other films this year.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think it's the second best film nominated for Best Picture this year. I think it's obviously a distant, distant second to um Parasite. But mm-hmm. if and when it wins, uh I'm not gonna be as devastated as I have been in, in previous years, when I think there's been much more egregious uh, oversight. Yeah, I don't, I,
1: don't, I don't think I don't I don't think it's going to be a bad Best Picture winner if that ends up being the case.
0: Do you know which filmmaker won Best Foreign Language Film for his 1999 film in the uh, Oscars on March 26, 2000? Hint: He is nominated again this year. He's not going to win because obviously he's going to lose to Parasite. But he is one of the most celebrated European directors of all time. And this is his only Oscar win, um, and what and the fuck? and the award was handed to him by two of the stars of the film he's nominated for this year. That's a fun piece of trivia.
1: Holy shit! Who the fuck? could it be?
0: Uh, He's a Spanish filmmaker.
1: Well, El Motivar, yeah. but no, yeah, it is, it is? okay. Yeah. So it was all about my That's mother. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So
0: twenty years it took all him twenty right. years to make it back wow. to that to that category. <laughs> so two of the. Five nominees for best original score in '99 are nominated this year, 2019. Can you name them? Well,
1: I think he gave one of them away. It was Toy Story 2. Uh,
0: no, that was song. Uh, yes, song. yes. Uh, Randy Newman was nominated for song, but two of the nominees for best original score in '99 are also nominated this year. Randy Newman is not okay. one of them. He he was nominated for so, song
1: in '99. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this. Guy. So John Williams for Episode One.
0: Uh, right guy wrong score. <laughs> John oh, Williams was not nominated for any of the prequels. That's that's a fun piece of trivia. Wow. He's been nominated for Absolutely. every Star Wars movie except the three prequels. He's been nominated for wow. six of the nine Star Wars movies. That's a fun... I mean, a fun
1: say what you will but episode one, but Duel of the Fates is <laughs> kind of a banger. Yeah, it is know?
0: crazy that he... Yeah, there, there's no way you're going to remember what movie he was nominated for because it's very obscure. But yes, he was one of the two. Do you know who the other one is? He didn't win. I, I,
1: it's got to be Thomas yeah, Newman. Yeah,
0: exactly, for American Beauty. John Williams was nominated for Angela's Ashes. Oh, wow. Crazy, <laughs> <Is he>, right? <laughs> that is
1: nuts.
0: Yeah. You know, Robert Richardson was nominated for Snow Falling mm-hmm. on Cedars for cinematography He's nominated again this yeah. year you know no 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 Roger Deacons or anything like that but it is just interesting to kind of see you know the more things change the more they stay the same yeah and uh
1: masters remain yeah
0: and going into this Sunday I mean you know how do you feel about no host
1: I think the no host thing can work okay um you know I, I'd love to see just not uh Glossing over some of the lesser categories Letting them speak for at least 15 seconds longer I think it's probably good okay. I think stuff should get political But I don't want half hosts Or the people who are dropping in To give little monologue jokes or whatever To sort of wink wink at more serious issues Like, you know, female directors Or, I don't know, joker shit I I, I, I don't want Hollywood to be uh, too smug But besides that, you know I'm, I'm not too worried about it I think this is, as far as the last few years has gone Like A pretty respectable list of movies, especially in the Best Picture realm. I mean, there's no Green Book, there's no Crash, there's nothing like that. So um, I just hope Joker doesn't win a bunch of awards, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time that, that pretty much every single Best Picture nominee was at least something I lowercase l liked. You know, there's nothing super egregious this year. And and as somebody who's okay with the idea of the inevitable 1917 win, I guess I'm Mm -hmm. not quite as bent out of shape as a lot of people probably are.
1: Well, and we have the fun rooting interest of hoping for a Parasite upset in a bunch of categories. So that's fun.
0: And it would truly be, I mean, I, wouldn't it just be amazing to read the op-eds on Monday morning if Parasite, like people are going to lose their minds if that happens. They're going to be like, oh my God, everything we thought, you know, like this, What a cure-all that would be for all of this, like, fraught drama, right? I'm not saying it would cure the Oscars. It would, like, solve our problems. You know, like, all of a sudden, political parties start reaching out to each other. And people are, you know, out in the streets, you know, hugging each other and shaking each other's hands. And all of a sudden, it, it, you (laughs) know, it puts a solve on all of our problems. But it really would be an interesting—it would be very—it would be the Moonlight situation, right? Like, when Moonlight beat La La Land, everybody was like, okay, problem solved. We did it. (laughs) We, <laughs> the Oscars are fixed. Like here we go with it's you know it's it's morning in America or it's morning in Hollywood uh, you know that's got a bright future ahead and then you know cut to Green Book winning um, it really <laughs> will feel like an exciting time and like things are really turning around if Parasite does win on on Sunday it would. Be a wonderful. It'd be it be like the morning after you know Obama won the election or something, right? Yeah,
1: like,
0: <laughs> people are just a little nicer to each other, and I oh. would certainly prefer that to the incredible, you know, Joker winning and breaking the internet. Nobody wants that. Oh god. As yeah. much All much right. respect well, as I have for Joker, I, I definitely don't want to see that happen because the internet will will just absolutely burst into flames. Well, now that you've
1: implanted that <laughs> thought in my brain, I don't think no, I can it's go. No, it's not. Any it's longer. not going to happen
0: because the the preferential ballot will keep that from happening. And the preferential ballot for all of its flaws is the best thing that Parasite has going for it. Because as I said at the beginning of this conversation... Nobody doesn't like Parasite. So I just have... And nobody didn't like Moonlight. So I have just a hard time... not saying everybody's going to put it at number one, but nobody's going to put it at number nine. So I just I, don't- I think it's got that chance. Where there are... I have talked to people who legitimately don't like 1917. I've yet to talk to anybody. Not that I have the largest sample size in the world, but the preferential ballot mm-hmm. really could... It, it, it could be an asset for a film like Parasite, which is so
1: universal. All right, well, let's... You got me stoked. You got me pumped up. I'm hopeful. (laughs) I didn't mean to get your hopes up. We're just going to get dashed on Sunday night like we always do. Well, I hope everyone's hopes are up. And, uh, you know, this is the only time for it. Because once Sunday comes, the hard, cold gavel of reality will hit us hard. So, anyway, on that note, uh, this has been We Like Movies, Oscars edition. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye.